Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Adrian Mean, joined by Mr. Brian Brushwood. Ahoy, mateys! Justin Robert Young. Permission to come aboard, sir. Yes, Permission granted. denied. Oh, oh. Denied. Yeah, but not denied. I'm getting mixed messages here, guys. I'm only, I'm, don't I'm worry, putting, he says this all the time. I'm He's always one like foot this. On Brian, the board. Really nervous about people on Brian, his boat. come over here. Yeah, right. Okay, Brian, I'm, I'm sorry, Andrew. Okay. I, I don't mean to usurp your authority. I was just, I was right. trying to be friendly. And let me, let me. Right now, you and I are like the two funniest guys on this boat. Yes. Yes. What's going to happen? We let him on board. Well. We will finally get to enjoy what all of our uh, uh, crew gets to enjoy, which is somebody funnier than themselves. Yeah, but that dynamic just changes. Yeah. And I got this material. I got these jokes. And you know how if I write something down in advance and I read it out, how that's really the best way to do comedy? Okay, listen, I think I have a solution that will satisfy all of us. Let's just deed the boat over to Justin. Let me, let's get Bryce. Where's Bryce? Okay, Bryce, oh, hey, Bryce, Bryce I mean, one, Castillo. One second, Justin. Uh, We're just I'm about just, to bring I'm, you up. I'm waiting Hold here. On, I'm waiting here now. I mean, I just. That's, have I got permission to come aboard great. the ship? Of Bryce, course you do. You're already You're ah, charming, okay. and we are a little okay. bit dun, 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 worried dun, dun, that your charm dun, dun, might dun, dun. detract what an from insult. us. Like, how are you going to, they just spit in your face. Like, what? They let me on the boat, so I don't know. what you're You have to come aboard so they can spit in your face. You're not technically aboard yet. I can't hear you. I'm up on the I'm on the poop deck. I can't hear okay, you. Okay, I'm sorry, Bryce. Uh, you don't Andrew. use it for that, Bryce. We keep telling you. <laughs> yes. More like more like the spit face. <laughs> yeah, no, Bryce. Like we're we know your charm and like ability is a threat to us, but it kind of enhances us, so we don't really feel in competition. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm okay with that as long as I get to be on the boat. Okay. All right. How they about call me on the boat, Bryce? Justin gets to come on board, but he can only make like '90s jokes. What's Ooh. the deal with boats? Okay, that's perfect. Damn it! Can, can, can he hear us? Like, 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 are, are we just having this conversation right on the deck, like five feet away from him? Talk well, about it's a, it's a small boat, Brian. Okay. You know, we, okay. we pretend to not see yeah, it here a lot. I mean, like, it's okay. not a big boat. Guys. All right, uh, it's, it's just a skiff, really. Pinkies yeah. up the moment we feel threatened, we throw him overboard. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Done. Okay. Done. Right. Done. Welcome and aboard. Good now. Now. We throw him over now? No, Do we throw no, him over no, now? No, no, no. no. What oh, do you oh. say we spend <laughs> our time, our maritime time together, uh, 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 talking about things of the weird? <laughs> I got something for you. Yeah. Uh, probably not not very weird, but speaking mm. of ships and vessels and things that are supposed to go on voyages, last week was going to be a big test for the SLS rocket. This is the $30 billion rocket oh. system we spent the last decade plus building. Yep. This is a and heartbreaker. Delay after delay, but finally they got the rusty looking thing that looks like it's been pulled out of a warehouse from 50 years ago onto the launch pad. Oh, well, that's basically good. what it, I mean, the, you yes, know, it, they put them on the launch. I mean, that's exactly where it needs to go. I mean, yeah, you put your drunk uncle into a car that's great so uh the the, seat, the, meh. so the problem so they put this thing out there in a wet dress rehearsal what they do is this rocket's got uh using the the latest state-of-the-art knowledge about we know about how to keep systems simple it's got two solid rocket boosters again you know thing that exploded on the space shuttle and it's got hydrogen and oxygen uh hydrogen's a fuel oxygen's a liquidizer and so the goal with the the wet dress is to fill those tanks and run everything up to 10 seconds before launch. Like everything you would do, filling, get everything ready, all the systems ready to go up until 10 seconds before launch with the idea that if that works, then a few months later, we actually launch this. So... Sounds like it went well and we've now got a rocket in space. We did it! We never stopped dreaming. Boy, he's, he's a, a jolly good fellow. Guys, 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 guys. I, I oh, don't think no, Brian, Andrew yes. was finished with his story yet. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. So the good news. Go. Good news. It, it didn't blow up. It didn't, it didn't did, explode. <laughs> didn't explode. Oh, love uh, it. Now I'll join yeah. in. For he's a jolly good fellow. Wait, 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 wait
So they're able to get the liquid oxygen, like most of that in there. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they had they had they had a valve problem. They had like a cooling problem. They had a valve problem. They had several sensor problems. So they were never actually able to get like more than five percent of the liquid hydrogen into the rocket. And I don't think that's enough to, to go me, into space. Not maybe inner space. Yes. But it's not, and also liquid hydrogen is really difficult to deal with. There is a reason why SpaceX and Blue Origin and the other new rocket companies do not use liquid hydrogen because of how challenging and difficult it is to store, to move. Hydrogen loves to slip through things, seep out of stuff, mm. and it is we, we have a history of using it because it is a great propellant, but it's just really difficult to sort of deal with, and that's why the newer space companies don't do it. So... This means they basically they had to scrub the full uh, wet rehearsal, wet dry wet rehearsal, and so pull it. They're pulling it back. They're going to pull it back into the assembly building, and they're going to wow. inspect everything to it. And they we don't know when it's gonna. They're going to try to test it again when they're going to try to launch. You know, some people optimistically, well, maybe we'll just combine the wet dress rehearsal with. A launch. launch. Wait, oh, what? Wait. You can't do that. That's not, Isn't that not the point? Let's do a rehearsal, yeah. but there'll be a full audience waiting behind the curtain. <laughs> and then once we feel yeah. great, we'll just yeah. open up those curtains. We'll record the rehearsal. It'll right. be great. Uh, let, me, let me ask this question. <laughs> when, when is Artemis supposed to happen? When is this mission supposed to happen? Uh, I, You know, 2016 by, I think, the uh, the... <laughs> Uh, if we're going back to the original, I think it was supposed to happen six years ago. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but 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 as of as of now, February. Oh no, sorry. It, 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 oh, it, it it had been February of this year. Oof. Okay, so we are on borrowed time already. Like like this is uh, a waiting. So, where are <laughs> we on the roadmap theoretically with SLS just? Not being the so rocket, and and maybe maybe if I can speak emotionally, uh, I I'm really conflicted because part of me says, well, sillies, uh, put all your money in the thing that is definitely seems to be working, SpaceX or any of the competitors out there in the private space, uh, but also I love competition, so maybe keep on doing your wacky, wet scrubbing, non-launching well, thing. I. The, the the challenge comes Let's in a, and again, Artemis launched. <laughs> the Artemis program started in 2017, but it was sort of resurrected parts of earlier stuff. So that this version of this goes way back. Here's the challenge, and uh, if you look at how much we've spent on this, versus if we were doing things like saying, "Hey, we'll pay three billion." We what we did the one of the greatest things that happened with the space industry was. Basically, just saying, here's, here's, give us your best price, you know, to tell us to deliver everything, and then we will pay you that. And then you have to deliver it. Anything over is your responsibility. Yeah. Uh, which you saw SpaceX astronauts going. We just had a first four private astronauts go last week. The first private, totally private mission to the International Space Station took place last week uh, via Axiom. And kind of like people didn't really notice because that's such, and we're so used to people going on board the Crew Dragon capsules. Meanwhile, the Boeing Starliner, that's not, that's which is old space doing it, not so good. So I would say that I would be all for, like, I think we need to have, we don't, we can't just rely on SpaceX as big of a fan as I am. Sure, sure. We need sure. other companies. Uh, I, mean, I, I think that, that that has been the position of this show and it will continue to be. Also, will there ever be a moment in which SLS isn't the primary rocket uh, uh, to take Artemis up? Or, or is, that, well, is that just... That's that's the way it goes. There's no replacement. Like this will the, take as long as SLS takes. The cost, the cost is becoming more apparent because they actually tried to get like what are the costs of it? And there's been a lot of hey, you know, it's a program and stuff. And we're looking at somewhere between like a billion to two billion dollars per launch. It's excessive. That's huge. That is huge, a phenomenally large num amount of money for a program that was supposed to be way cheaper than launching the space shuttle. And if SpaceX Starship wildcard, we'll see. But also, Blue Origin has their, uh, they're building their new Glenn, the new Glenn rocket, which is going to be highly capable. And these other systems, and people are like, oh, but the, the payload orbit this thing can do is huge. I'm like, yeah, but you can also break up your payloads into smaller amounts. And But some of these newer rockets coming online 
we may see, you know, Starship, it's, it's the bet Starship now is going to reach orbit before SLS. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, the, for how long this actual rocket's been in development, a fully reusable, you know, craft will be there. So mm. uh, there's some, you know, it's hard because I've always argued, like, you don't want to bet on a thing that doesn't exist. But right now, SLS doesn't exist, and it's this money pit, and 10% of it, $3 billion, could have funded a lot of research. I will bet on on a flying taco that comes out of SpaceX before I bet on on SLS. <laughs> Uh, there's literally a flying taco on Brian's really t-shirt weird, right? that he is pointing. Done. Uh, uh, there at... are no coincidences. <laughs> no. Uh, well, so at a philosophical level, I, 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 in general, I understand the importance of a hedge, even a very expensive hedge against any uh, uh, one, you know, uh, uh, unipolar solution to things. Um, I don't know. I find myself conflicted. Like even as much of. Uh dare I say, a disaster as, as SLS appears to have been, like, I, I think I want to keep cheering for it, but but I don't have clarity on what I'm cheering for. Let me give you an alternative. Let me give you an alternative. Yes, we should have a hedge, maybe even a government, as much as I hate to say these words, but maybe even one that's a design, whatever, that's controlled by the government in theory, whatever. Although SLS was literally a program written to appease developers who owned key technologies. Other people couldn't compete on boosters and stuff. It was right. not a fair. It was really the worst kind of government contract you can imagine. The, but we'll uh, forget the, about the, that. The uh, so-called uh, crony capitalism of, of Boeing and uh, uh, Yeah, Lockheed it was, or... we need a thing that only this factory that you have can produce. And we need a thing that only this, ah, it's open, it's fair. Like, no, it's not. Uh, I'm all for sunk cost fallacy is a very dangerous premise and is what what is it is what's destroyed many businesses. It is what if you look at as we argue about how much more money we need to tax people, whatever you have to ask. It's like take a look at government programs, like a really, really deep look at how we're spending our money and ask yourself, is it 90 percent efficient, 80 percent efficient, 30 percent efficient and sunk cost fallacy becomes a big part of that. And here I'm like. We, the people go, we spent 30 billion. We got to, I'm like, I don't, I think we spent 30 billion on a really bad system. I'm arguments like we, bad system. It's going to cost us more to launch. We should, it clearly can't do the thing it was supposed to do. We should scrap it entirely and start over. I mean, uh. I'm, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, look, uh, uh, let's, let's just let them chalk this one up to an L and then we'll give them, you know, five or six more opportunities and uh, uh, down the road on different projects. But at least then they'd be competing with fully functioning uh, rockets from multiple different companies. Oh, I mean, I think that that's mm. the thing is that people forget that this project was started at a, a far like a night and day different time in space exploration. I mean, th this was greenlit when SpaceX was, was nascent comparably to now where it is a reliable uh, contractor for the federal government. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the Artemis program that came about because it was basically trying to look for, hey, we need, we want to justify this big rocket. Let's go back to the moon. And so that's where the Artemis program started. But the SLS goes way, way back. If you look at the SLS, uh, I mean, and also like the right, right, right now, 20 bucks in your pocket. Who do you bet sees the moon first? Uh, S, uh, any self grown government? rocket or spacex well technically spacex is we'll be, we'll, contracted yeah, yeah, to yeah, be they, the lander yeah they, they will be landing on the moon no matter what <laughs> yeah. so the government uh, so spacex trick one. question ah. spacex so and that's so and this is the this is the fun thing so this is the way the, the so they built this they're building you know the sls rocket which has been you know maybe you know 30 billion dollars so far the the cost per launch is two billion dollars there's a cost per year to about two and a half billion dollars but two billion dollars per launch game okay? they have this the the orion spacecraft by the way which is the spacecraft that's going to go on top of it and the purpose of that is literally they're going to use the sls to send the astronauts to the spacex rocket that in theory would be perfectly capable of taking astronauts to there, but they're going to put them on board this SLS, and which sounds hugely uh, inefficient. And you know, SLS like funding started back in 2006. We're 16 years later. Um, it is insane. Um, or the Orion spacecraft. I saw the Orion spacecraft uh, test launch they did years ago 
when they went to go test that because they assumed SLS was going to be just rolling off the, you know, assembly line any moment now. Um, right. That 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 didn't happen. So that was oh yeah, exp- mm-hmm. 2014. That's when I was at Canaveral and I watched the exploration test flight. 2014. That's so bonkers. Nuts. Wow. You want to know what else is bonkers? The ability to support this show on patreon.com slash weird things. Yes. And unlike the SLS, we will launch you to new heights of enlightenment when it comes to news of the weird. Brian, you must be crazy to think that you can go to patreon.com slash weird things. Make sure that you keep us loud, live, and independent each and every Monday afternoon, bringing you news from science and beyond. Not crazy. Just a little bit weird. Weird crazy. You hear the sirens outside? Yeah, hear the those sirens are the outside. normal police coming for you. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, we forgot yeah. to tell you. They're onto our trail. And Probably should have mentioned that at the top of the show instead of doing those bits of business about <sighs> improving being on a boat. Exactly. This is the last episode involving Andrew Maine unless we can post bail. Mm-hmm. And we can make that happen if you go to patreon.com slash weird things. Right. Yep, Patreon goddamn <laughs> slash weird things. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, th- I thought that was just gonna smooth no, off. Oh, this is why. So much. This is why not you so shouldn't much. have let me on the boat. Okay. Uh, also, right. if you're a patron, you get the After Things one, yeah. podcast early. Uh, we talk about a bunch of really uh, awesome, fun stuff. So head on over there right now, Patreon.com/slash Weird Things. So, uh, got a got a news item for you. Oh, discovery! Finally, oh, some little, news. News. Hey. Little, little scientific discovery for you. Yep. They're still doing science. Um, and uh, I don't know any way to sort of cite, but uh, back in 1832. Mm, uh, the good old days. Yeah. When everything was great. Back, back, back. Uh, oh, uh, no problems for anybody uh, at all. Back, back, back when smallpox was an old yep. comfy cousin <laughs> i got my first real six string <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't have to worry about naming your child because maybe wasn't gonna live you didn't have to name your child <laughs> Just keep naming other, them your name. Other human beings gonna have to stick. Uh, other human beings treated like well, not human beings, and uh, details. This is a wonderful setup, they Andrew. Awkward <laughs> details. <laughs> it was awkward back in 1832. Yeah. So 1832, a young, a young uh, naturalist <laughs> by the name of 32. Power on, they're gonna keep doing this. No, thing. it's fine. Go, <laughs> go ahead. Young naturalist by the name of Charles Darwin mm-hmm. was on the HMS Beagle. Yep. where he made many of his amazing discoveries, which led to his theories of natural selection. Yep, and helped help change science. Helped gave us a framework at which we can understand how things evolved where they were. He made a lot of very interesting observations. And he uh, saw something that was very curious that's been talked about before, and we weren't quite sure how it worked. And this is a phenomenon of a very miraculous animal, its ability to sort of just gently lift up into the sky and float away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember this. He discovered the hot air balloonist. Wow. And uh, if I may quote from this Wikipedia article, hmm. the hot air balloonist is a marvel, not only for his ability to float <laughs> high above the clouds. Wow. Mm, wow. Classic Darwin. Ima- very imaginative but also writing. also for yeah. the tales. Chucky, Chuck D really was spitting. <laughs> Actually, uh, we're talking about... Off that. We should never have let him on the boat. I swear to God, people. I was against it from the start. That's true. I should have listened, Brian. Uh, but how much better would oddly, Charles Darwin have been with Flavor Flav? All right, go ahead. Oddly enough, uh, like uh, ranting Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys, sometimes Brian's closer than he realizes. Oh, no! so, uh, only uh, the balloonists in question are spiders. What? Ah! So Spider scientists balloonists. have wondered... 
There is a, a hundred ballooning spiders. People have talked about these spiders. Oh my god! I, the, 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 the word balloon was in there. Yes, Brian. Uh. Yes, Brian. So uh. they discovered. They've noticed this was a phenomenon. It was known before Darwin, but Darwin was on the boat, looked at this, and said, "Ah, flying spiders! One of the most natural and wonderful things somebody could see." <laughs> and there had been theories, though, like, how does it work? They, they admit these, these strands of silk, and then they just sort of, like, later, and they just sort of drift off up and away and just float off like James Bond at the end of a movie. So that was the question. Is, was it just air currents, whatever? Now scientists believe they've discovered, and this is kind of awesome, they think they use an electrical field. What? what? Now, I... Electricity. I, I, uh, uh, real, real quick, um... Two things. One is, I, I think I was in third grade at the time, but our neighborhood outside of Houston was beset by some kind of, of drifting spiders on strings. And, and, mm -hmm. and I assume it's a similar phenomenon. And uh, when you're a kid, you just assume whatever you're seeing is normal. I now recognize that I never seen anything like that since. And it was, must have been an extraordinary year for, for flying spiders or whatever. Well, uh, so yeah, this uses a form of kind of like an electrostatic lift. We talked about this before about those lifters where you could take like a model train transformer with like a, an aluminum box kite and get the thing to float off the ground. Right, or, or you, you, you could like, do like a triangle thing with a little a bunch of pegs on the bottom and you could create a field that yeah. it would just hover. That crazy people call, oh, it's anti-gravity. Well, it's, you know, but uh, it is, it's a very interesting form of, of lift with something that's light enough. So scientists are saying that's what they think is going on, is that they're using basically electrical fields to lift themselves. And I would argue, and I've, I've, I've said this to people before, that like, if you want to look for a really revolutionary way to start exploring making vehicles that fly is to look into this phenomenon because we know it scales there's an energy problem it takes a tremendous amount of energy for it but there might be ways you know and so here we have an example of an animal effectively using its own anti-gravity device that's crazy so two uh two things pop to mind one is being in eighth grade and reading uh, a spider-man comic book in which electro figures out this is comic book canon, but again, what's canon in comic books? Uh, uh, that Spider-Man's uh, wall-crawling ability was a form of static electricity, so Electro was able to make the, 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 the wall-crawler not be able to wall-crawl. Uh, but then the other, the other thing is, man, I could totally see with uh, some nanotech or, or like um, uh, carbon nanotubes or something, some kind of structure big and wide enough that it that it really does just like a football field just sort of take off and is able to take a payload of a few hundred pounds all the way up yeah there is a, a book i have here called floating to orbit which was the idea of using uh that doesn't really that's that's not really an electrostatic lifter but like a giant balloon but then using uh like ion propulsion which is very different from this but using ion propulsion to get to orbit by going slowly uh, which I really dug that, the idea that it gets up the upper atmosphere and just builds up speed. But here, it's just neat to see. Here's an insect that's apparently using electricity to just repel and fly off and then drift away. Would have been so, crazy if Tobey Maguire did that in the new Spider-Man movie. Just shot some stuff out of his butt Tom, and then no, floated. Tom Holland. Tom Holland's the new Spider-Man. I, have, I haven't seen it yet. Tom oh, Holland's no. Spider-Man. Oh, uh -oh. no. Spoilerman. Uh -oh. He's spoiler in our boat. I'm kidding. I'm we should never have I'm let kidding. him on. It's on VOD. They're showing him in the commercials. I'm I've seen it. I've no, seen it. And that was funny. I was watching... Watching the ads for that change to like, yeah. Ah, look, Doctor Strange. Is this a Doc Ock tentacle? Ooh, yeah. I wonder what surprise. We're like, it's Doc Ock, everybody. I know it. Oh, the Green Goblin. I think Defoe's in it. Got it. Yeah. And then you're like, what? So, uh, <laughs> uh, my wife, uh, she she's been working for a company that's got this uh database of actors that she has to go through and sort of like update their stuff. And then she's like. Well, Doctor Strange just got spoiled for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I just saw who blank blank. I'm like, oh, and she's like, oh, this got spoiled for me. I just saw blank blank in that. So oh, that's like, funny. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so uh, question, Andrew. Um, we know there's no such thing as a free lunch when it comes to energy, and uh, we know like um, 
uh, I don't know, there's various uh, mechanisms that, that take away ever so slightly from like uh, the, the earth spin or what have you. Where does, in a world where a spider is getting a free ride up to, to you know, the 100-foot heavens uh, on electrostatic, where, where is that energy coming from? I haven't read into it, but it could be, you know, if you're getting, let's say, a, a, a theoretically, one is from the wind or friction or something on, this, the same as where we generate static electricity. That might be the thing, is just literally the movement of hot, warm air currents past the threads might build up a charge, and that's could be where it's coming from. Um, if I read the thing, I could probably tell you in a better way, but yeah, it, it, it looks like, um, uh, it, it looks like that, uh, this is from the abstract of the paper here. I believe what happens is when they spin the silk, kind of like the, um, the magic wand trick with the straw. So, so it's its own energy that is electrically Friction, st yeah. uh, static electricity charging everything. These results demonstrate that spiders are able to utilize charge on their silk to attain electrostatic flight, even in the absence of any aerodynamic lift. So, so it's a biological charge, uh, from what we understand right now that, that charges the, the, the thread and gets it up into the wind current. I, I believe so. If yeah. I'm reading this right. Fascinating. I, I remember there was a, uh, a researcher I know, Dave Sands, had, uh, this is a story I've told before, but it really is a neat story, is he was working for um, Montana and like agricultural department, and they'd have problems where they would get, let's say, like a bunch of wheat, they would have like a blight on it, they'd go look at it, and there was the blight, and it was just, you know, some sort of, you know, and, you know, parasitic, you know, bacterial or whatever that was infecting it, and... They were trying to figure out how to get rid of it, and one of the things they could go do is they would take the the seeds and they would throw uh, copper. They'd mix it with copper because copper would kill that off, right? So they'd mix it off, they'd kill it off. They knew that there was like, they're very clear there was none of it was in there. They'd go out to some remote field, plant it, it would grow, and then they would see the blight again. And they're like, it was frustrating for them because like they, they look through every single element of it and they go look at the blight. They can see all of the blight, but then they go to the microscope. They can't find any of the bacteria that's causing it. Can't find it. And that was stressful for them because like this is just should it's they, they see the effect of it but they can't find the thing that's causing it yeah so they have to use this airplane to go out to this remote field to go do these tests because it's like in montana way remote some research agricultural field that's in the middle of nowhere that's isolated from anything else sometimes when you're in an airplane and you go out there and you see like a little patch of land that looks like a tiny farm those are actually research f facilities because they mm. keep them away from everything else mm. so Dave's like, man, like they, they're trying to spend it. They're looking all around. They look in the soil. They look all around. They can't find it anywhere. They do swabs, everything to find it, can't find it. And finally, they're getting back into the airplane. And as they're going up, Dave sees a cloud. It's like, fly through the cloud. What? He's like, fly through the cloud. They fly through the cloud. He sticks out a sample kit through the window. And as it goes through, it collects the vapors, the moisture, whatever. They get back into the lab and they found the bacteria. And when they looked at it, they realized the bacteria had on its surface this protein structure, this particular protein structure. In the morning, uh, when it started to warm, it would have its like it have an electrical charge, and it would drift up into the air and go all the no, way up into the sky. Wow. And because of the protein structure, water molecules would start to accumulate around the protein. And when it reached a certain point, it would the nucleus it would basically form like an ice crystal. And then start to rain, and then basically cause precipitation, and start to attract more, and then fall back down to the earth and make it rain. And it was this bacteria that was a symbiotic relationship with the field, where it was actually keeping the wheat, the plants alive, and doing this cycle. And so they started testing for this, and they found out this bacteria. And one, they actually now one of the ways they do cloud seeding is they use a like a protein, or whatever, similar to that that shape, because they right. use that shape for nucleating, like raindrops works. They found this in other places around the world. And when you look at climate predictions and climate models, things like this, nobody is even really beginning to seriously factor in how much systems like this play a part in it. The fact that you have a bacteria that is regulating and creating, like what makes a rainforest? You know, one is density, location, et cetera, but you may not be able to get a rainforest to take off. Or if you do something to the environment that kills off this bacteria or whatever you or, spray or, or, or something. Or makes it, lit, I mean, quite simply, like, uh, let's say this one bacteria, for sake of argument, is is one of the key generators of, of uh, nucleation points for rain. Take that away. Ain't no rain. You got no rainforest, no matter how many trees or seeds or, or density you have. Mm -hmm. So it's... Uh, 
Pseudomonas syngrea is an ice nucleating bacteria whose freezing action causes water vapor to get in the clouds. It's just a crazy, crazy thing. And if you look at uh, bioprecipitation is uh, an entire field. And if you look at bio, bioprecipitation, the article mentions uh, my friend Dave Sands. And this is going back to 1982. And it's really just a crazy crazy sort of thing but like ski resorts where they use the freeze-dried you know ice nucleating proteins those were derived from that damn how how many other how many other processes and things like are that are out there five yeah glad you asked five Five. yeah i've been waiting for this moment yeah well now we know mr Um, five (laughs) and the nickname is ice minus bacteria bacteria ice ice minus because there was the uh the remember the uh ice nine which was the uh there was a theoretical you know from the science fiction story the idea that somebody makes um uh a uh kurt vonnegut's novel couch cradle the idea that you make this thing that will turn all water into ice Mm. oh it it starts an ice molecule it starts an ice crystal and every water that touches it touches everything else yeah so yeah uh wow i didn't realize that was I didn't even know that this was a thing that we could effectively make rain. Yeah, make clouds. Yeah, uh, you, give, yeah. Give 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 or make take. it rain. You broke. I mean, I mean, like a- if there's no humidity and it's over a desert and there's no water in the sky, then no. But 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 if it's pretty dense and what you really need is just like like uh, for example, we shot that video of super cooled uh, uh, liquids that you you slam them and mm. there's a nucleation point and all of a sudden ice forms. It's similar for uh, vapor to form clouds and uh, rain. Wow. I was at a meeting at the amazing, at uh, the amazing Randy's office, James Randy, the James Randy foundation. And we're sitting at a table and Randy goes and goes in the refrigerator, grabs a bottle of water, sets it down on the, on the meeting table. And it just immediately crystallizes, just immediately crystallizes. And I'd never seen that over. And I'm like, going, what? And then uh, the the secretary goes, "Oh, Randy, that's amazing! How did you do that?" And Randy's like, picks it, goes, "Eh, you know," sets it back down and carries on and walks out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it was totally, totally accident. But now, if you put, you know, if you keep, as you showed, you know how you do that. But it's if you've never seen it before, holy cow! It, it is looks like amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. And I just like Randy's like. Eh, you know, it's just a thing I do. And he probably went in to go Google, you know, yeah. like water <laughs> What just ice happened? happened. <laughs> uh, we've got a new solution for Python control. You know, Pythons are sort of a problem. Ah, and, yeah. Uh, Very difficult programming language. Finally. Uh, no, Python's actually, you know, yeah, I should have gone super the other difficult. way with this. Super difficult. Unless, it's unless, difficult. Uh, it's, yeah. really, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, seems like it'd be easier a, if there was a certain artificial intelligence that could translate my natural language instructions into it. But I mean, that's science fiction talk. Right. Do you think we live in the future? Come on. No. Uh, Spawn con. This is a, a. We talked about it for like 40 minutes last week. I wouldn't hear. Oh, right. You were there. Uh, so uh, apparently um, some cameras in Florida cop- captured something, which again, that's very loaded. Florida camera catches yeah. something weird. With a Python. By the way, I'm pitching my new show, my new reality show. It's called Florida. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Florida hey, remains undefeated. I may yeah. or may not have been watching uh, old Miami Vice episodes yesterday <laughs> on Peacock, and I may or may not have seen a preview for a show all about somebody who has money troubles and finds out that he can get a bounty for killing pythons in Florida. Oh, yeah, that's yes. reality show. No, that's an uh, NBC no, comedy. No, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a comedy from uh, uh, Daryl from from The Office. Oh, Daryl yeah. from The Office. Oh, oh yeah, in the Craig, warehouse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig oh, yeah, yeah. No, not Craig Ferguson. Or Robinson. <laughs> yeah. I said Craig Robinson. No, oh, Bryce no, said Bryce Ferguson. Said Ferguson. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Who wanted yeah. him on the boat? <laughs> <laughs> he was always here. He made I'm the boat. I'm just going to kill a wee python. <laughs> I mean, we don't, Greg, Greg, we don't know how to steer the boat. It's got Claudia in it. We don't know how to steer the boat or move the boat, so we kind of have to have Bryce on the boat. Also, the boat is a party boat, and we're still in the bay. Yeah. Yeah. We may have an ally in our fight. because So pythons, as, as many of you probably already know, pythons are not indigenous to South Florida, but because of the exotic pet trade in Florida and drug dealers and exotic pets, 
we have a lot of pythons and pythons can be a problem because they can eat like bird eggs they can eat other things other animals and they can put a pressure on this which can just throw the ecosystem into imbalance so one of the things we do is we we will pay people to go out there and hunt pythons which is awesome uh that's a job that you can have uber hunting pythons mm. so mm, it's the reverse of doordash you know so <laughs> have, have, have we yet encountered the um uh the bounty problem that beset i think it was in india where they set a uh i believe it was the british that set a a, a bounty for every cobra and uh people figured out really fast well, if we just raise a bunch of cobras <laughs> and kill cobras, them, yeah, we can get a lot of bounties. <laughs> yeah, uh, that can be a problem. Like we're trying to help you with this problem here. Um, right. I mean, I, I, I'll say, look, if if you have never spent a lot of time in the Everglades, like <laughs> them paying you to just be in the Everglades for a significant period of time is that is well worth any amount of money. That place sucks. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, on a camera, we captured what we may have an ally. We may have a helper in our fight against pythons. Thank All right, goodness. here we go. Uh, uh, anyone have a guess before we log in? Uh, uh, oh, I robots. think it's probably a wee little kitty cat. Uh, I, I, I think it's a bird of some sort. I'm gonna guess. Oh, what if there's a? Don't don't kangaroos eat? Don't kangaroos mess with snakes? That classic yeah, Florida. That Florida, Florida kangaroo. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this the is this the normal state? I'm sorry. Is this taking place in normal state USA? <laughs> touche, touche. Damn. Um. Uh. Yeah. So uh, I'd say point to Justin, but not a wee cat. Uh oh. A cat with a, a wee tail, thus a bobbed tail, thus a bobcat. Ooh. No kidding. And there's what? this great camera. They got some footage of a python and a bobcat facing off in Big Cypress National Let's Preserve. Let's go. Let's go. Apparently, bobcats decided, you know, these python eggs are exotic. They're good. And I hear they're keto friendly. I mean, what's he going to do? Bite me? He can't. He can't strangle me. I'm, I'm too lithe. I'm a bobcat. So, so there we got this this bobcats also, eating these, these eggs, eggs are gigantic. They do oh, look delicious. Yeah. I'm getting a bit hungry. Imagine you're like, oh look, look at this beautiful. Is this like a parrot egg? I'm gonna take this home and keep it warm under my pillow. All right, where is <laughs> this? Where is this python coming? They do look like 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 grade quintuple egg uh, or uh, quintuple a. So eggs. this They're big this, eggs. This bobcat has been up. Oh, there oh. he goes. He's um, he's eating. He's getting a little munch. He's getting a little bite of Yep. Yeah. He's just hanging out. Anybody got any salt? Man, this this seems like... looking over his shoulder like, uh, what is this? Is there a trick to this? This is too delish. Oh, when he comes back at night. No, he wants a little midnight Uh, snacky. uh A little rumbly in his tumbly. And this is over a long period of time. This is multiple hours. He goes and he comes back. This is like somebody trying to get the continental breakfast at 2 a.m. Coming on in, looking left and right. Looks like he's still getting his yeah. frosted flakes, though. <laughs> I mean, they can't lock those down. They have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, that's All the right, law. So he's, he's, they're, they're chowing down now. At some point, this python's going to come out, though, and we gotta be, we're going to have a, a rumble. This has been six hours in the dark. This and cat has been going back and forth. That is a looking cat. That is, that is. He knows he's not supposed to eat eggs. No and now eggs. now it's the following day. He's still <laughs> looking at the eggs. What's up with this cat? What? Oh wait, is he is burying them? Oh, is he? Yeah. I thought like, they, that was him I'll fighting the later. Python, but not even that. No, no, he's burying them for later. Save Where's it the... for later. And he's back the next day. What's up with this cat? Wow. Or that's a few hours later. Um, the same day. It looks like June second of last year. Wow. What we need is somebody to go pet the cat and say good kitty. So it just keeps doing that. Or we oh, give oh, them like so. So it just occurred to me that maybe the story this is uh, like like the oh. python never shows up and this is just our ally <laughs> he, eating its babies. He eats the eggs. He yeah, doesn't actually no, fight a great. python. Okay, yeah. But there is a photo. Like we do see a photo, and it maybe from this. I believe it is from this camera. Which, if we scroll ahead, we do see a point where there is a cat facing a python. Let's see. 
Uh, no, this guy just took down all these eggs. Oh, here we there go. Uh -oh. Python. oh, my God. Whoa, the python's huge. Okay, so the cats come back. It's nighttime now. And oh, he's oh stalking this the... time, <gasps> the security guard is there and says, Sir. All right, back uh, it up. Back it up. We want, we want to see the beginning here. This cat, bobcat versus python. All right, okay, so, so the it's... cat it eats a bunch of eggs and then is like, Okay. Oh, he hey, hid... What's up? It's another day. He hid the eggs. He came back uh, an hour or so later and dug them up, or they no, had so, been yeah, dug up. Yeah, I think somebody, I, I think he came back to the buffet and it's like, Whoa. Uh oh. And the oh, next thing what's you know, on my eggs? yeah. This big old python is laying on top of these eggs. Okay, who do you think wins in Ooh. this fight? Between the like python? A, str a straight a fight between a python and a bobcat. Because bobcat, I mean, mm, could could go either way. I think, I think it's the, the element of surprise. Oh, yeah, I think that's... I think if the python drops out of a tree on the bobcat, bobcat is done for. But if a bobcat is really hungry and has teeth... <laughs> So the bobcat tried to visit at night, saw this python was still there, comes back in the morning the next day. This comes has been like in two and days. starts poking at this SOB. He's he's just like, I don't know, are you really going to stop me from eating these eggs? There, were 42, like, yeah, eggs. there were 42 eggs. 42. 42 eggs. How many did the did the bobcat get? Uh it looks oh wait, 42, sorry. 42 eggs had been destroyed. Yeah. And the 22 were damaged but potentially viable. Wow. Oh, I'll I got tell a little possum. That, that omelet hey guys, is the cat's meow. On? I'm Phil the Possum. I'm your neighbor. And <laughs> you boys need to stop fighting. Why does your breath smell like my babies? <laughs> What's going on? Wow. Antagonistic interaction between Bobcat and Python. That's. Um, that's, Dude, this is the stuff that happens in the Everglades like all the time. Like we just only caught that because there was a camera there. Like this is well, constantly yep. happening in the Everglades. And for like USA Today, USA Today to report it as a never before seen interaction shows how much of nature we only have eyewitness testimony. Whatever about. USA Today, wake me up when a kangaroo's there too. <laughs> yeah. That would actually be a weird story. <laughs> Told you. Well, I told you that like I went to a party up in the in the Hollywood Hills. It was this mansion, this people who've been in the business for years have, and it's kind of this crazy looking mansion. And go through there, and I'm walking around like it's got an amazing view of the the city. It's overlooking this sort of precipice. And you walk through one of the rooms, and there are a bunch of these old timers playing like card games there. There's another room, people doing DJ stuff, and then uh, it was a very intense kind of like you know kind of just Hollywood sort of party sort of thing and i go walking up some steps and i'm like man i think i'm a little overwhelmed and maybe i'm gonna go home and i look to my left and i see a kangaroo in an ah, enclosure <laughs> and i'm like yep time to go Exit, uh, stage <laughs> <Yeah>. left, uh. <laughs> oh, how much more weirdness can i handle god i might yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Gah!" laughs> so maybe that were, was uh, maybe you were just the new pope i don't know uh, i'm like this is this is yep um, but, uh, gentlemen, we had a cool, uh, I'm going to self promotion. Yeah. I was involved in a little project. I worked with an organization called open AI hmm. and last week we released Dolly two, which is mm -hmm. an image generation text to image model. And that, uh, it kind of blew up was very, very, uh, made a lot of big waves cause it's a very neat technology. I could kind of go into more of about that, but I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to see what it's capable of doing. I did. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah. We uh, talked all uh, about uh, it last week. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, now, in the aftermath of this, is we're looking at sort of make its way around the world. And I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I just watched it on the Japanese TV show, <laughs> which cool. Uh, there's yeah. a New York Times piece on it that just came out yep. two days ago, or New York Times Magazine. Which so there's that. So, uh, I got. Did I plug the waitlist last week? You did. Yes, yeah. you did. At openai.com. Okay. Plugging the waitlist again. You uh, can tell that I've been in. I've been in promotion mode. Yes. I The wonderful experience of. Um, uh, I was able to get my my. Oh, access. we made the image right. Uh, what's that? And we made the image here, right? <laughs> oh, did you? That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the uh. uh uh, I did get the chance to talk to a friend of mine who was unfamiliar, and by reputation, he understood how good AI had gotten or whatever, but uh, 
uh, I had recently reset my access, and I was like, would you like to see it in action? And uh, uh, my goodness, um, OpenAI is a good joke teller. Uh, uh, I enjoyed matching it. Uh, tell me a joke about blank meeting a libertarian genie. And uh, they were all great. Or write a tweet in the style of blank. And uh, uh, hmm. it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's really remarkable and terrifying. And wonderful. I know why. And I know why I started the story again, because, Brian, you weren't here last week. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And so to me, oh, I got to tell Brian. So uh, yeah. explaining my absent-mindedness. I have an excuse this time. But, uh, uh, no, it was, it was really, really great. Um, uh, I, I, I can't believe how good the synthesis is and how the same seed will yield such vastly different surprising results. It's amazing. How, so, how, how fast is this Dolly waitlist moving? Yeah. I need, I need, I need my access. I think I signed up last for science. Week. <laughs> uh, it's going to be gradual. We're, we're, mm. we're building it out. And remember part of what we do is we want to see, we want to release these things carefully. We want to see how they're used. If there's the potential for misuse, et cetera, because in trying to develop really advanced AI, it has an impact, potential impact on a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that just want to use the tool, but there are other people who are saying, Hey, this could cause, uh, problems and if you go read the research paper or the paper that went with it we go into some of the details of that as saying like hey these are our concerns this is how we're trying to you know deal with this so uh you know as we can handle more people we add more people nice all right so I'll, i yeah. want yeah. is there any way we can jump the line no we're not you want to know what price we are not special we are we are we are just like everybody else very very interested about this technology and eventually our time will come our time will come one day one day one day and in fact my first search is going to be a uh, a, a very sad boy waiting at a computer forever <laughs> forever no yeah save him <laughs> uh ask open ai about the joke about karl marx encountering a libertarian genie it's pretty good when you say you mean gpt3 right the gpt3 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i still have to get access okay. to that too i don't think i ever got all right greedy i'm greedersen wow. wow. i'm giving you an opportunity to talk about your uh, it looks like greedo asked first <laughs> <laughs> hey anybody got any picks uh i do um uh, not to play into a stereotype of myself, but uh, it was recommended to me that I go in totally blind to see Come From Away, the Broadway musical that was on uh, <laughs> Apple TV+. Plus. That's right. Uh, it was great. So it, it, is, it was, it, is it a movie or is it like shot, it's, uh, a it's, shot musical? It's a shot musical, but okay. most importantly, it's um, considering where the the musical takes place. Of course, you know, it's it's in Broadway in the middle of New York City. Yep. Uh, it is in the middle of lockdown, the pandemic. They show all these empty streets before and after. And they're like, this is the huh? first Broadway show people are going to. It is about a horrible moment in uh, New York City's history mm. uh, and about all of the rerouted planes that landed in the middle of Newfoundland. And it was oh. it was delightful and wonderful and magical. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I'm glad I went in. Uh, now, when I say when I went in blind, like I hit play, and in the first five seconds, I was like, oh my God, I know what this is, and immediately explained it to the kids. Uh, but uh, it was great. It, I, I liked it quite a bit. Lest they have the story explained to them. Uh, well, I mean, or, or at least to to assure them that their time was not about to be yes. wasted. No, no, no. Yeah, it is, it is a Tony Award winning, critically acclaimed wow. musical. Very cool. I feel like I had not even, like, we on all this stuff on court colors all the time i did not even hear about this coming out last year but yeah i i, th I think it's a case of like uh hollywood and broadway uh traveling in different circles but uh but mm. the the story for those who haven't heard is uh you know during 9 11 was happening they had to land all of the planes and uh the unique history of um uh, uh, uh the airport in newfoundland whose name escapes me uh it used to be a refueling station in the 60s and uh, so propeller planes would come in, they would land, like, uh, and all the famous people would be there. They have this giant collection, giant airport, but then jet engines made it to where you could do inner, uh, you know, coast to coast without refueling. And so suddenly this town had 7,000 people and then suddenly, or sorry, 9,000 people, uh, Gander, that's what it is. And then 7,000 people showed up overnight. And so oh. what do you do when your population doubles overnight? I don't know. Ask the MCU. They apparently did that and nobody addressed it. <laughs> they did. Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
It just I mean, wasn't good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. You know, do it again, good. but better. Do yeah, better dude, do better. come from away, but do come from <laughs> away, but better. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, I, I, uh, I've Teasdale. Last time Teasdale was here, he was singing songs from that. Uh, yeah, hmm. no, it's it's which good. are beautiful, stirring songs that ran. If you're only listening to him singing songs, they're beautiful, stirring songs that randomly steer into 9-11 oh uh because it's a musical about 9-11 right but if yeah. it's like uh, and specifically it's about that strange and mysterious uh period before the internet before cell phones and they go out of their way to remind people that cell phones are rare and yeah. that you can't you you can't know everything at all times uh and even when they do refer to the horrific details of 9-11 all they say is like uh, what we saw on the tube you know uh, uh but but it's really about the uh joyful giving nature of a small town mm. trying to help out a bunch of people who are having a rough go. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a rough day. That one. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I've been forced to watch a show. Oh, Oh no. Because, uh, uh, I'm not going to name names of people uh. who have an inability to not talk about this show. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, uh but uh, I had to start watching Severance for uh, uh, elsewise. It Severance. Would, it would just what? be it would just be described to me second by second, <laughs> word by word, uh, 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 what happened. So I'm two episodes in. We watched the first two episodes last night. My my wife and I, uh, and I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, it definitely is a bit of a, a, a slow burn. I think is a show that that is benefited by uh, the streaming age. Um, but it, it seems based on how everybody was excited about it at the end, I am, I am, uh, uh, patiently walking with it as it very deliberately reveals its, its plot. And I, I, it feels like a very confident show, which I, which I always enjoy, especially when it's a concepty show, you know, you don't want the, the worst part is when it's a concepty show that's kind of running by the seat of its pants, but, but this seems very confident. So I like it. Uh, it's probably not a surprise that, uh, because part of the reason you're watching it is because a lot of people are talking about it, people who I don't know and would not associate yeah. with. Certainly uh, there wasn't a dinner that happened on Thursday where uh, 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 Brian started with me, talking to me about the show that I said, hey, please don't talk about it. I'm going to watch it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, but boy, is it great. And when this <laughs> happens, and I'm like, like Brian, stop talking. And then mm. another couple came to dinner and he's uh. like, oh, we were just talking about Severance. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, I love it when blah, blah, blah happens. So and I'm weird. like, I have can no, you guys shut up? I, I, have, I have no memories of this dinner at all. It's yeah, like no. it happened to well, another person. It's, it's because, yeah. It's so weird. Because you, you, have, you, have, you have your severed memories for when you spoil television I, shows. I think you made the biggest case oh, for wow. the severed process right there. Like, I'm going to go, go talk to Brian. Blip! I'm gonna flip my uh -huh. And then, oh, who's in Spider-Man? Oh, then who showed up in Doctor Strange? Cool. That's amazing. Flip! Anyhow, anyhow moving on. I, I want multiple versions of that. I just want to turn that on. Severance is good. Severance is a good show. Um, ben I, Stiller, great job directing. Like, really good directing. Man, really people, good directing. People forget that that man, his first Directed movie was Reality Bites, and then he did The Cable Guy. Like, uh, like that man has has uh, been a, 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 an amazing director from the jump. Also directed Heat Vision and Jack. He did. Mm -hmm. I got a pick. Yay! Uh, I I was introduced to this blindly a couple of weeks ago over on uh, our friend uh, the Rage Select channel on YouTube, um, and I was surprised that I liked the game that he showed me, and then I am still playing it today. Um, it is the new Gearbox game, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Um, do you know the Borderlands games? Sure. What if they were a tabletop RPG story? Okay. End, end of conversion. Like, it's... It's just Wait, that. They've so, taken so, so, Borderlands. So it's, it's, it's not a first-person shooter? Oh, it, it is. It's got a lot of guns in it. Got it. You're, you're saying the, the setting. Yeah, was, it is a high it. fantasy sort of setting. Got it. And it is not like, doesn't really delve into any of the Borderlands lore. It's all its own sort of story. And so you're playing this campaign, first-person style, as 
someone who's playing this game with Tiny Tina. And so she's dungeon mastering and you're in the world and ch things are changing in real time. Um, oh, Annalisa oh. just ran in. This is, she can confirm it's super fun. It is, it's is—it's—it's a very fun sh game. Um, and uh, I'll say the thing I don't like about Borderlands is the stories. And I like the story in this. So um, uh, very cool. Um, and if you like co-op games, games you play together with folks, Wonderlands is, is great. Gearbox and Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford just bought the Magic Castle. Oh yeah, that's no right. Way. Oh BT Dubs, yeah. Uh, uh, bought yeah, bought bought the castle, which is and that, we'll that, try that, to continue and, what it's doing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. with, with the idea because by the way, unless somebody specifically either Randy Pitchford or somebody very much like Randy Pitchford bought oh, all that kit and caboodle, that was the the castle was not going to be there forever. Right. right, and specifically, like as I understand it, as an outsider who has no inside information, uh, uh, the the Magic Castle was leasing this property. As I understand it, Randy Pitchford brought, bought the property and wants yeah, to make it's, sure. Yeah, it's the there's the Academy of Magical Arts, which is the club that runs it, and so they were leasing the the building itself, and then the the fixtures belong to uh, like Milt Larson and, and just a whole complicated thing. And Randy is a lover of magic. His father, his, his great uncle, great uncle was Cardini. And wow. so he's got oh, a you wow. know, kind of touched with the history of this. So anyhow, he's a big fan of it. He actually in his house in Texas, he's got his own magical theater, which is a pretty amazing. A friend of mine got married there in a really neat place. So, you know, I think it's neat. He loves, you know, Gearbox makes beautiful things. And part of it's the people that work there, including Randy. And so. Very, very cool. Um, I watched a lot of stuff. Uh, I've been watching Moon Knight. Uh, I watched a uh, Netflix documentary and watched the new James Bond movie finally. And my pick is going to be that Mitchell and Webb look. Hey! What, what That's a great, the thing. I, what a great so series. There was... Uh, uh, there is a, a documentary on Netflix about Jimmy Savile, which he was the uh, the British television presenter who, well, watched the trailer, mm, but uh, did some very bad. It's things. a very interesting story. I don't the documentary. I don't know if it quite landed for me in the way that it did. It was it felt like a very slow burn, and the way they they kind of approached the story was a different, interesting choice. Um, but. Uh, but you, you know that kind of puts you down that rabbit hole of looking up like Jimmy Savile and because you have like this is the documentary story what happened. But as we know, often because there's a point where somebody is like a, a reporter is very earnest, but he's like, and they show the early days of search, and he's like, I kept searching for you know this his name connected to something else, and I'm like, wait, you're a journalist searching for another journalist to have covered the story, like. Right. Mm. Maybe and then finally the story breaks and it's another journalist who breaks the story and gets some witnesses to talk and then it's like, why don't we talk to them? I don't know. But again, I think I think it's it's definitely check out the documentary, whatever, come to your own thoughts. But I was doing the search and I found this like Mitchell and Webb look clip that somebody pointed out from before the whole thing bore came out about Jimmy Savile, which is they're doing it one, it's this remember that Justin, you'll remember the director telling the actor about shooting him for his nude scene. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but nobody'll see. Oh, yeah. I'll see. <laughs> you know, it, it's just the creepiest thing ever. And then it immediately cuts to it cuts to a middle of a news broadcast and they go, three consecutive life sentences. And it's Jimmy <laughs> Savile's face. And this is years wow. before when Savile was alive and hat broke through and like and his manager said, just when you think you know a guy, and da da da. And they move into the right next thing and they're like, What did they know? Yeah. What uh, did they know? <laughs> so, uh, one of the most influential sketch series of all time. It doesn't get mentioned in the same way that a lot of other contemporary series do. But if you look back, I mean, like some of these uh, clips still show up. Number one, uh, are we the baddies? One of the oh. greatest, one of the greatest sketches of all time. Uh, but also there was another one that, that, uh, was making the rounds when the lockdown happened about, uh, uh two guys talking about working from home. <laughs> And the ones like, uh, 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 so have you gotten over the wanking yet? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? And then his wife leaves and he's like, does it ever stop? He's like, eventually. <laughs> uh, but no, just, just what an iconic, an iconic show. And that's a bad movie. 
movies. Where uh, was it? Is it streaming anywhere, Andrew? Or did you just uh, find some clips? I, I found them. It's on YouTube, actually. I was trying to find out if I could just buy it somewhere. Maybe maybe BBC has it somewhere, but I found a bunch of clips on YouTube. So um, I was actually like, I think I would just like to buy the series. We met uh, years ago. Justin and I met Robert Webb and David Mitchell at yep. a film festival in Florida because they did a movie called Magicians, which is really funny. Super nice guys. Just super, super nice guys. Very I don't, nice dudes. Yeah, I don't know how much they were expecting to like encounter the two biggest Mitchell and Webb fans in the world. In, in, in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, remember when you did, uh, yeah. did you do this? That was cool. Like, geez, you know, which <laughs> is... No, they were they were great. They were super uh, uh, gracious with their time, and and uh, uh, yeah, I mean Jesus, just just uh, they, they they don't get the they don't get the glory uh, uh, here in the way that they should. So watch that yeah. peep show. They're they're amazing. Uh, it looks like it's on YouTube. Yeah, it looks like you yep. can pull them up on YouTube. If nice. you're... Yeah, number Wang. Number Wang is like oh, just... number Wang. Number Wang. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been weird. Get off my boat. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>